today I want to talk to you about being aware. Now, I have certain talents in my life. I have the ability, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have the ability to walk by the dirty laundry and not see it every time I just walk by dirty laundry. I just have the, uh, I just, it's a talent. It's a talent, right? I have the talent of sleeping through thunderstorms and children crying at night. I have that talent. I am so talented that I can actually put a dirty dish next to an empty dishwasher and not even think twice about putting it in the dishwasher. I'm that talented. But when my wife makes Spanish rice, I'm there. I'm so there. I mean, she, I'd be down in my office and Austin and I smell those Caminos, those tomatoes. And I, mean, I come running up like a little boy. And she's like, you know, you can't even do the laundry and you, you can smell this 30 miles away. Of course I can because I'm aware. My nose is aware. This morning, I want to talk about being aware because as we get into the Genesis story, you're going to realize that some pretty bad things are happening. Some pretty bad things are happening. And as Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the last days. There is a very, very similar thing that is happening today that happened back then. Now, it's not just evil. It's not just wickedness because that has been all throughout history. We've seen evil in history. We've seen evil time and time again. But there was something unique, something different about the days of Noah and the results of what happened because there was these rebellions that happened in Genesis. But if we're not aware of who's doing this, then we'll never see the laundry or the dishes. We'll never see the evil that is around us. I want to show you a picture here. This is called the all-seeing eye. The all-seeing eye is something that is very common in the occult. It's very important in the world of the occult. Now, you've probably seen this before because on the back of a dollar bill, it's right there, the all-seeing eye. And you say, well, why is that on our dollar bill? That is a good question. Why is that on our dollar bill, the all-seeing eye? Because this is a very important symbol. This is a very important symbol to the occult. Here's another way of looking at it. This is called the eye of Horus or the eye of Ra. And when it comes to Genesis 11, we'll talk about these a little bit more. But these are very important. You notice it's all about the eye. And, and, and we sometimes would even refer to the sun as the eye in the sky. It was all seen because it was so powerful. And this is where they got it back to this ideal of the sun and the eye. It's a very important symbol to the occult, the all-seeing eye. Why is it on our dollar bill? Why do we see it over and over again? Now, you've seen this time and time again in the entertainment world. You just maybe not recognize it. Because the origins of this is a symbolic or a symbol that is rampant in the world of the occult, in the mysticism, in the, the black arts. And in the entertainment world, they love showing you that they are a part of this club called the world. And they love showing you. They have to show you. You know, matter of fact, 
Ezekiel 28 tells us this, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. It is because of pride. It is because of the arrogance of, of what they think they know and who they think they're worshiping that they have to tell you. They have to show you. And they demonstrated time and time again, the all-seeing eye is rampant in, in our entertainment and they, they will display it in different ways. They will use objects or their hand or, or, or something to cover one eye. So they just show you one eye. And it goes back to the occult. It goes back to the idea of the all-seeing eye. And because it is of satanic roots, because it's of a demonic background, they have to tell you because of pride. Now, we are completely different. As children of God, we don't live with pride in our life, and we don't try to be people who are proud, but we are people who walk with pride in our life. We try to be humble. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we are told. Jesus even told us when it comes to giving, don't, don't, don't worry about the, what the left hand is doing. Don't tell the right hand because, you know, just, just don't, you don't have to worry and make, draw attention to yourself. Just give. We do this because we follow our Heavenly Father's teachings. But people who do not follow the ways of God, who follow their own Father, which Jesus says was the devil, John 8, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And it was the devil who has to display, has to say it, because why? He is full of pride. And matter of fact, Ezekiel 28, which is referencing Satan as well, Ezekiel 28, 17 says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and your corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. It shows you that they have to tell you because their father has to tell you. The devil has to tell you. Has to let you know that, that they're better than you. That because in their heart they believe they're a God. I'm going to show you some pictures here. This is why I needed to do it in this format. Because I want to show you examples of the all-seeing eye. And how people promote the all-seeing eye. Now, whether these people in these photographs that I'm going to show you know exactly what's going on or not isn't the point. The point is, is that this is the world, this is the way the world promotes them. This is the way the world promotes them. Here are some examples. You can see there's, it's really not hard to notice the symbol of the eye of Horus there. It's pretty obvious. But they do it in different ways. They have to cover one eye or close one eye so that one eye is open because it represents the all-seeing eye. Even George Orwell, who wrote his book, 1984, you just have the picture of an eye. It's very prominent in the way they promote things. When the force awakens, they would do this over and over again, always covering one eye the all-seeing eye. Even in the latest series with Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, they even put the sun in the eye, which really is talking about the eye of Horus. Now this is a little obvious. This individual, this musician, was selling shoes, and if you notice, it says Luke 10, 18, where you saw cast, Satan cast down 
from heaven. But you notice what the series number is. It's one of 666 shoes. And even his eye has a little serpent in it. So this one's pretty obvious. But it's all around us. Everywhere we look, we see this one eye, the all-seeing eye. Most people aren't aware of this. Most people say, well, those are just pictures, Pastor. But I want to challenge you today to become aware of what is actually going on in our world. I want to, I want to challenge you to step back and to see the satanic overtones of our entertainment world, the satanic overtones of things all around us. Why? Because this is the world we live in. Some people aren't aware of this, but it doesn't change the fact that Satan has a plan to kill, steal, and destroy. It doesn't change the fact that Satan is going around and trying to lead people astray through movies and music and video games and books. And when we're dealing, when we deal with entertainment in our house, I always, always tell our kids, it's going to lead you somewhere. It's going to lead you somewhere. Entertainment will always lead you somewhere. Just like when we come to church and we sing songs of worship, it leads us somewhere. It doesn't lead us to selfishness. It doesn't lead us to greed. It doesn't lead us to things that are not of God. It leads us into the presence of God. It leads us closer to God. But entertainment itself is designed to propagate and to promote and to tell you things that's why it's called television it tells you a vision it tells you something entertainment's the same way and it's one of the biggest tools that satan uses it's one of the biggest tools that satan uses and it will lead you somewhere that's why you must have a balance in your life you must have you must i don't want to say balance you got to have a priority in your life that it's got to be God. Now, I'm not here bashing entertainment. I'm not here trying to tell you that all entertainment, you can't watch anything else. The only thing you can watch is Little House on the Prairie. I've seen all those episodes. i got to watch something else. Give me a good Columbo episode or something, you know. I'm not here trying to be, you know, trying to tell you every, everything. You can't watch anything and all this. I'm not here to say that. I just want you to be aware of what's going on. It's hard for us for my wife and I to watch anything without seeing the overtones and the messages. Why? Because we've been studying. We've been researching. We've become aware of what's going on. We must be aware. From children's cartoons to explicit music and video games, it will lead you somewhere. Back in the 80s, there was a big movement in the church to talk about backward masking. And if you play things backwards... You know, you would hear subliminal messages. And I remember as a kid in church, I, I thought, man, it's kind of weird. You know, who's going to play a record backward and, and hear these things? And, and sometimes I thought maybe I only heard it because they told me I was supposed to hear it. Maybe I only heard it because that's what they were putting up there on the words. And I just, I, I imagined it with my mind. They would play music backwards and you would hear things. The church world at the time was laughed at. They said, you guys are just a bunch of weirdos. Backwards masking. Come on. That's so stupid. It's just a good song. You know, you listen to Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. That's just beautiful rock and roll, man. And yet there's Jimmy Page was into the occult. He believed in 
having private time with his guide in order to be inspired. But the church world got laughed at in the 80s, so you know what happened? We just kind of let it slide. And we didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to expose the satanic agenda in music. We just want to let it slide and just move on to the next subject. Why? Because they laughed at us. They made fun of us. But the, the problem is Satan doesn't stop doing what he was going to do. He still has an agenda, still has a plan. And whether the church talks about it or not, there still is a plan. There still is an agenda to destroy, to kill, to, to rob you of everything that God has for you. And not just you, but the family all around you. This is why Jesus said so clearly, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It doesn't say necessarily you. Because he'll destroy anything he can to get to you. He'll come after your family. He'll come after your health. He'll come after your finances. He'll come after your kids. He'll come after every single thing in order for you to finally say, okay, I give up. I'll take the easy path. I'll take the easy path. The devil has only interest in harming you, destroying you. Think about the words that Jesus used destroying you. How do you negotiate with that? How do you negotiate with someone who wants to destroy you? The devil hasn't stopped because back in the 80s we stopped talking about his agenda. The devil continues. And he is still trying to lead people astray, even the church, if he can. Listen to the warning that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. False messiahs and false prophets will appear, and this is Jesus, and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect. Even those who are called by God, even those who are set apart by God, even those who are children of God, the devil is trying to deceive you. That's why in Revelation 12, 9, John says that it was Satan who led the whole world astray. Think about the weight of what John says. The Bible is telling us that it's the devil who leads the whole world astray. You think he's going to give up on us because we live in a small town? You think he's going to look over us because, you know, we don't watch bad movies. We only watch good movies. We only listen to good music, you know, country music, because there's nothing wrong with country. Except when you play that backwards, you get your dog back, you get your car back, you get your girl back. Anyways, I wasn't going to put that in there, but it just, you know. But the Bible says that it's the devil who leads the whole world astray. John didn't specify whether it was just Christians or the world in the sense of the unbelievers. He just says he lets the whole world astray. How many lies do we believe because Satan is behind it? He said, oh, you must be one of those people who who believe there's a demon under every rock. You must be one of those people who think there's, there's a dark thing going on every time. Listen to me, I'll tell you what I believe. Because I have no problem defending what I believe. I believe this, that we live in a dark world. I believe this, that we live in a world that is controlled by the evil one. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I believe this. John believed this. Just look at the ramifications. Look at the depth. Look at the meaning of this verse. 
The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now most people, including Christians, never think about the world that we live in as a spiritual place. Most people don't think of this world as a spiritual place. Why? Because we get up, we brush our teeth, we get something to eat, we go to work, we come home, we watch something on TV, maybe listen to a little music, get the house cleaned up, go to bed. Wake up the next day hoping that today will be better than yesterday, and we continue to do it until the weekend. And oh man, on the weekend, I finally get to sleep in. Maybe I'll go watch my grandkids play some sports. I'll do some stuff around the house, and it's just great. Hopefully, I don't oversleep on Sunday. Maybe I'll make it to church. I don't know. But if I do, that's great because he usually gets done by 11, and we're home. I could watch the game. I could just kick my feet up because on Monday, I got to go back to work and got to do it all over again. And yet we don't sit there and think that day after day we have an enemy that is trying to destroy us. We have an enemy that is trying to kill, trying to steal, trying to corrupt the whole world. I don't think John was wrong when he says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Most people are not aware that there is evil around who is planning without fail to corrupt you, to destroy you, your, lamp, your family, your church, this world. Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he made sure that they would not forget that there was an enemy out to destroy them. He said, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. That word in Greek literally means the evil one, which is a title for the devil. That's what it literally means. Jesus is saying, when you pray, you make sure you honor your father. You make sure you pray his will be done. You make sure you pray for provisions. You make sure you ask for forgiveness. You make sure you forgive others. You make sure to, to steer away from temptation. And don't you forget that there is an evil one out there and protect me, deliver me from my enemy. Jesus even told the disciples Satan's agenda when he said this in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. These are Jesus' disciples. These are the ones that are closest to him. These are the ones that are with him in his presence all the time. And it is here that Satan says, please, let me get him. I want to kill him. Let me do it. And right there, Jesus is letting them know that you have an enemy. You aren't exempt because you're a disciple. You aren't exempt because you go to church. You aren't exempt because you live in the modern age of reason and science. He still wants to destroy you. But let me give a little side note. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason for us to be afraid because we are not under the lordship of the evil one. We are not under the lordship of the devil. We are under the lordship of of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is greater than any power here on earth. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because, you, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 2 Timothy 4, 18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to be with him. Glory forever and ever. 
Amen. He'll be with me. I'll be with him and will bring me safely to his heaven. We don't have to be afraid because the Lord is watching over us. Just as Satan wanted to sift all the disciples, wanted to get them, Jesus said, uh-uh, they're mine. See, God is watching over us. He's never stopped watching over us. And we don't have to worry about the enemy overcoming us because everything is in God's control. But one day, Jesus will take him and throw him into the pits of hell and do that bottomless pit until he suffers for eternity. One day. But that does not stop us from living in this world today. And most people are not aware of what is happening around them. Most people do not understand that there are schemes by the devil trying to corrupt us. Look at how Paul felt about it in 2 Corinthians. He said this, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for the sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. We are not unaware of what he is trying to do. We are not unaware of how he is trying to deceive and trick and make us stumble. We are not unaware. I want to tell you that this has never changed since Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at how this world got so evil. And I believe its foundation is found in the first chapters of Genesis. The first 11 chapters. These chapters are very important to answering the question, why is this world so evil? If, if God is so loving, why does he allow evil things to happen? How come Jesus, when he came on earth, how come he was casting demons out of everybody? What are demons? And why is God so violent in the Old Testament, telling them to destroy the men, the women, the children? How is this possible? Why? I believe it's from the foundation of Genesis 11 that builds off of that story. We're going to look at Genesis in great detail. We covered the garden, chapter 2, about the trees. If you want to know about Genesis 1, there's a great book you could read. It's a, I'm not trying to promote myself here. Lisa's still finding mistakes in there. I know you are. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, it's a great story of how the world began. But Genesis chapter 2, about the garden. But then it brings us to Genesis chapter 3. And it's in Genesis chapter 3 through 11 where we are going to discover what is happening here. I'm going to preach things that you probably have never heard. I've never heard preached from the pulpit. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you exactly what I believe and, why, and how I came about to this belief, what I see in Scripture, and is it consistent with Scripture. I'm going to tell you things that will challenge even your basic understanding of the stories that you've read over and over again. And as you hear me out, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to search the scriptures like the Bereans did. And I want you to see if what I'm saying is true. Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says this, Now the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. You see, it's very important for us to know Scripture. It's very important for us to know what the Scriptures are saying and to read it in the context of which it's written. You know, we don't, I don't like to take things out of context. Just like, do I believe that there is a Trinity? Absolutely. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
I believe that with all my heart. Do I believe that the Trinity was mentioned in chapter 1 of Genesis when he says, let us make mankind? I don't believe that's talking about the Trinity. <gasps> read my book. It's in there. So I like to read things in context, but I'm going to tell you Genesis in context because Genesis is the, the foundation for the New Testament. How did, how did Paul get to this point where he says that I'm not unaware of the devil's schemes? He got there because of Genesis. He got there because of the foundation that was built on Scripture. So I'm going to hold the Scripture. I'm going to preach Scripture, and I'm going to tell you what I believe is happening in Scripture. And you may disagree with me completely, and that's okay. I was talking to a gentleman one time about Genesis, and we were discussing chapter 1, and I said, well, you know, I believe certain things about Genesis 1. I believe what God said was true. And he looked at me and said, well, I just disagree with that. And I said, oh, why? I said, if the Bible makes a simple statement, why isn't that true? And this is what he told me. He says, I know what I know from what I've learned from Scripture. But I also know what I know from what I've seen and from what I've learned. I've been looking all through the Bible. I can't find a verse that supports that. Because all I know is that God's word is God's word. All I know that my God would never lie to me because he's not like us, that he is not a man that he should lie. I know that my God speaks truth. I know that my God is truth because the other God, the devil, the other fallen angel, there's no truth in him. I know that my God gave us his word and according to 1 Peter, it is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that these authors wrote it. I know that my God would never lie to me in scripture. And so when he makes a statement, I believe it. And so this is why it's so important for us to know Scripture. So if you may disagree with me. You may say, hey, pastor, what do you mean? I, I'll discuss anything you want. I have no problem. Like I said in my book, if, if you have a belief that's based upon Scripture, defend it, hold on to it, fight for it, because you know it's God's Word. Now, it doesn't mean that I always get everything right. Lord knows I can't read through a genealogy and get every name right. I can't get everything right. I don't, I'm not all-knowing and all-wise, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. And if you see something in Scripture and he says, hey, what about this? Hey, that's a good point. I'll work that in. I'll bring that into my understanding because I want to know God's Word. And I'm not trying to teach anything new. I'm not going to try to teach anything new or try to impress you with something that you never heard before so that I can make a little niche in the ministry market and, and try to promote myself. I'm not doing that. I am teaching you God's Word. And so if you disagree, if you have a problem with it, come talk with me. Because I have no problem explaining where I come from in Scripture. And if you disagree, show me in Scripture how you got there. Show me in Scripture how you got there so we can talk about it. We can work it through. Because I think it's good. I love to be challenged in my beliefs. I do. Because it helps me redefine who I am and what I believe. So, do me a favor. Make sure that we take what I say and look through the Scriptures and see if it lines up with Scripture. Ephesians 6 tells us this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power, and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Once again, Paul is letting us know that there are these schemes out there. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the days of evil come, you may be able to take your stand, stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand. We put on the full armor of God. This is great, you know. I just, I love as a kid just thinking about this. You know, I put on my full armor of God. I'm ready to go. But here's the problem. If you don't know the schemes of the devil, if you don't know how he operates and what he's doing, how in the world are you going to fight him? How in the world are you going to be able to take your stand? Because, see, he's been deceiving people since the very beginning. Genesis 3. Most people are not aware of the devil's schemes or his trickery, his deceitfulness, his craftiness, and how he's been plotting over time to trap you into his wicked ways. People aren't aware of the evil that's all around them because life is good. I have my health. I have enough money. I have success. I'm okay. I'm good. Satan doesn't come out and just tell you to practice the occult. He doesn't just come out and say, hey, would you worship me? But he will do things in order to bring you to that point. One of the powerful things that he does is introduces a new way of thinking into your mind. This is very important. This is one of his, one of his first tricks, which we will be discussing over the next several weeks. One of the first things he does is he wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you think. And this is why I opened up showing all those examples in the entertainment world, because the entertainment world is one of the easiest ways to get people to change the way they think. He's going to try to get you to have rebellious thoughts against God and what God has spoken. He will do this any way he can. He will do this any way he can. Let me give you an example from two types of entertainment, from the music first. There's this song called I Kissed a Girl. And I just want to read the verse in the chorus. It says, this was never the way I planned, not my intention. I got so brave, drink in hand, lost my discretion. It's not what I used to. It's not what I'm used to. Just wanted to try it on. I'm curious for you. Caught my attention. I kissed a girl and I liked it. I kissed a girl. I just tried to, just to try it. I hope my boyfriend don't mind. It felt so wrong. It felt so right. Don't mean I'm in love tonight. I kissed a girl and I liked it. This song came out in 2008. This song is a song that was very popular. It was sung by this artist named Catherine Hudson who gave up her Christianity to pursue a more popular career in the world and changed her name to Katy Perry. But I want you to examine what is happening here because people will say, ah, you know, there's nothing really wrong with music. I like the beat. It's just, it's catchy and all this. But let me just tell you what is being said in these lyrics. First of all, it teaches our kids that they can get drunk and it will make you braver. It's just telling them, hey, you drink, you can do things that you didn't think you could do. And, and what's even worse is this song is promoted with the cultures of today, with the young people of today. You're talking promoting it to things that are people that are underage to even participate in these things. And yet it teaches us to think in a different way, to think that I can get drunk and it'll make me stronger. It teaches homosexuality. It teaches bisexuality. It teaches duality. 
Now, duality is a term that you probably never hear of, but it's very popular in the occult. And it's something I'll cover in just a minute. I'll explain more. But it's this concept of good and bad. It teaches our kids to love, that love is just a word for sexual pleasure, not something that is a lifelong commitment. And you don't have to wait for marriage. You don't have to wait to say your vows. You can go ahead and sleep around. You see, these ideas, these songs are meant to lead you somewhere, to corrupt your thinking, to make you think differently. Let's take, for example, Star Wars. Now, Star Wars, some people either love it or hate it. But Star Wars, if you really break it down, is a very religious movie. It's just covered up with a whole bunch of sci-fi and, and special effects and some great fight scenes. But Star Wars is a very religious movie. Matter of fact, it introduces this concept of the Force. I was talking to someone once about Star Wars, and I was just doing research into this. And, and I mentioned about how there is this religious overtones to Star Wars. And man, they just right away jumped on me. No, 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 no. You don't understand. You see, because it is, it is, and just going on to defending Star Wars. I'm like, hey, man, you must be getting uh, some, uh, some money from this or something because uh, you just, you're, you're defending this pretty good. But listen, I'm not here to attack anything. I'm just trying to help you to be aware of what's going on. So in Star Wars Episode 4, we have the Force, which is being explained. And this is Obi-Wan telling young Luke. He says, it gives the Jedi its power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds us and binds the galaxy together. That's the way it's described. George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, had a very purposeful reason why he put the Force into the movie. This is what he said in an interview. Now listen to his words carefully. I put the Force into the movies in order to try to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young people. I put the force in the movies in order to try to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young people. More belief in God than a belief in any particular religious system. He wanted everyone to find God. It doesn't matter what path you're on. Just find him. But I, I guarantee you, He's not talking about our Heavenly Father because we know that the only way to our Father is through Jesus Christ. But George Lucas didn't come up with this idea. It was Aleister Crowley back in the 1900s, a Satanist who was once described as the most wicked man in the world believed this, and this was his philosophy. A new universal religion in which the practices of Buddhism and Hinduism are combined with Western mysticism and the occult and witchcraft and ceremonial magic in order for the practitioner to find God on his own. This is basically what George Lucas said. It's just said it in a different way because Lucas wanted to awaken uh, a certain kind of spirituality, not the kind of spirituality where Jesus is telling you to repent. The Holy Spirit is convicting you, telling you you need to come home. You need to let Jesus be your Lord and Savior. Not that spirituality, but a certain kind. And Aleister Crowley said this almost 70 years before. Except Aleister Crowley was a little more honest since he was a Satanist. He said this, 
that the practitioner may the practitioner may find God in his own while destroying Christianity in the process. At least Crowley was honest. He wrote a book called The Book of Law. And the book could be summed up simply by this. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Do what thou wilt. Whatever you want. If it's good, it's good. In my book, I mentioned Yuval Noah Harari and how he believes that we could do anything we want. In his book, Sapiens, we can do anything we want. Why? Because it's natural. As long as you don't hurt anybody. He wrote this back in 2014, 2015. As long as you don't hurt nobody, you can do what you want. He's just repeating the same old stuff that Crowley said. John Lennon said this. The whole Beatles idea was to go, was to do what you want. Do what thou wilt, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody. It's just a coincidence that John Lennon pretty much said the same thing as Crowley in his book of law. I know, just a coincidence. Just a coincidence that the Beatles placed a picture of Aleister Crowley on their album cover on Sgt. Pepper. It's just a coincidence. We have to be aware. Let's go back to Star Wars. Star Wars promotes this new age occult belief. It promotes new age occult. And, and I'll deal with this later on as we get into Genesis 3 because the new age is simply an a easy way for Christians to engage with the occult. Just the, just the facts. And I'll explain that as we go on in Genesis 3. But the new age is simply an easy way for, for Christians to engage with the occult and not know it because they use a very similar words and they use words that are very common to us just like when you're talking to someone of a different religion and you're talking to someone who may be a, uh, a Mormon and you mention the name Jesus Christ he's not thinking of the same Jesus Christ that you're thinking of it's something different so Star Wars promotes a new age occult beliefs as a way of harmless thinking that could lead young people into a spiritual enlightenment. This is the purpose of Star Wars. Because when you think about this awakening a certain kind of spirituality, think about some of the things that are happening in these movies. They practice necromancy. It's the practice of communicating with the dead in order to predict the future. It's also known as black magic or sorcery. And we see this when Luke goes and he is able to communicate with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've done funerals for people that weren't saved. And, and I knew they weren't saved, but there was an emergency and I had to go and, and, um, you know, and, and, and perform this funeral. And I just preached the gospel. And people would come up to me all the time. Well, at least I know they're in a better place. And I know they're with me. And I just want to be able to talk to them. These ideas are not new, even though it's called the New Age. They're not new. They go all the way back to Genesis 3. But the practice of communicating with the dead, it's just called black magic or sorcery. In the movies, they practice telekinesis, the ability to move things with their minds. And you'll see the Jedi or the Sith or, or any of the, the bad or the good. They will, they will move things with their minds. 
In the occult, at least they're being honest and they give credit that it's the spirits that do this. As I was researching into all this stuff, I ran across this, this documentary on magicians from the past. And when you look at magicians from the past, you see that they were always presented as, as these black artists, that these, these black magicians that had these demons on their shoulder. This was back in the 30s. Always had demons whispering in the ear, doing things. Why? Because they believe, people believed, oh, he must be using demonic power. He must be using the spirits to do this stuff that can't be explained. Of course, now today, and you know, in our, our day and age, you know, we don't think of, of magic as black magic anymore. We think of it as David Copperfield, a pretty, a pretty nice, handsome guy, a friendly guy, and he's going out doing these tricks. But magic has its root in the demonic. I've seen this, this magician that was able to elevate or levitate this lady in the middle of a field with nothing. There's no trick that can do that. There's nothing that you can do in order to elevate someone. And what the lady didn't notice was she was standing in a pentagram that he drew on the ground, symbolizing the goat, symbolizing the devil. You see, there are so many things that are being presented to young students and to young minds and to people even my age that, that have watched these things, the telekinesis, necromancy, black magic, sorcery, spirits moving things. And, and even in the last movie, um, there was astral projection where you have this out-of-body experience where you can actually project yourself somewhere else. And you see this with Luke Skywalker as he's going to face Kylo Ren and he's there, but it was just a projection of him because Luke is off somewhere in some Yoda pose doing something, pretending and projecting himself, and he visualizes in front of Kylo Ren, astral projection. That's new age. Their main belief, though, and this is, I'll bring this to an end here about Star Wars. I'm not trying to offend any people. My son, he'll get offended. It's okay, he loves Star Wars. But their main belief, though, is duality. Duality. That there is light and there is dark. Now, in our minds, when we watch Star Wars, because we see things from a Christian perspective. We see things from a Christian perspective. So, just like when, when my wife and I, we first got married, and I would go to their family Christmas parties, I had a different perspective. Because when I went to Christmas parties, there was alcohol, there were cigarettes, there was people just drunk everywhere. That was my kind of party. You know, you go to dances on Friday night. But when I went to hers, it was kind of like everyone was telling clean jokes. I mean, come on, what's this all about? There's a different perspective. And so when we go to see Star Wars, we see things in entertainment, we have a Christian perspective. And so we filter things. And so when we hear the good and the, or the light and the dark, we automatically think good and evil. That there's this battle between good and evil, and the this, this symbolism is very prominent, and it's usually represented by black and white, because black is the absence of every color, and white is the presence of every color, and you cannot have either without each other. You need them. And that's why in satanic temples or things that promote the occult, you'll notice on the floor they'll always have black and white tiles, always black and white tiles. You'll see this in Disney movies. You'll see this in regular movies. You'll see this all over these tiles, black and white, black and white, black and white. It's called dualism. It's to the occult, it means this, 
that you can't have good without evil. You need them both. What was the whole point of the Jedi? The whole point of the Jedi was not to destroy evil, but it was to bring balance to the force. To bring balance. Their mission wasn't to destroy it. It was to bring balance of this force. Not to, not to destroy the dark, but to bring it into balance with the light. But the scriptures teach us clearly that this is not what we live by. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us this. For you were once darkness, but you now are light in the world. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And to find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of dark, but rather expose them. This is what the Bible commands us to do. Not to tolerate evil. Not to just say it's okay. Because you notice when, when at the very end of Star Wars, episode 6, where Luke is finally you know, being captured and he's going to face his father. And what does he say? He says this. He says, I know there's still good in you. What does that tell a young person? It tells a young person this. You know what? I'm not a good guy. I'm, I'm doing things that I shouldn't do, but I'm not that bad. There's still good in me. It's called dualism. Because in the satanic, in the occult, there are no rules. There are no rules. You can do whatever you want. Matter of fact, when people go into the, the occult and they want to go to higher levels, a lot of time they would bring their children in front of them to practice a certain ritual, a certain thing that's gross and dis disgusting, and they would have their kids watch them. Why? Because they're trying to change their, train their kids that, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with it. Dualism. The occult believes that there is no such thing as good or evil. It's just one thing. In episode one, there was a prophecy about a child called the Chosen One. And this child would be born of a virgin birth and would bring salvation to the world. In Star Wars. Not to destroy evil, but to bring it into balance. Light and dark. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. But as Christians... We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. As Christians, we have the Spirit of God living inside. We are spiritual people. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But the majority of people inside and outside the church are not aware of the spiritual world that we live in. They don't see the world as described as the Bible sees it. They don't see the world because we go through life and we live and we just go through things normal. We don't see the wickedness all around us. But listen what Ephesians 6 tells us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This world, according to Scripture, is dark. It is filled with evil forces. The, there is a spiritual battle for the souls of the world, and it will do it through music. It will try to grab them through entertainment, through, through movies or video games or books. It will try to do it through anything possible. Why? Because there is an enemy that is trying to kill, trying to steal, and trying to destroy everything that brings pleasure to God. This is why Genesis is so important. Because there is a spiritual battle for the souls of you, of your soul, your family, and your children. And Genesis tells us exactly why. It teaches us exactly who the devil is. It teaches us exactly who the devil is. And Genesis is important because it it helps us understand how he operates in the world that we live in today. So how do we live in this world? How do we live in this world? 
how do we get to the point where, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, even if possible, the elect, he's trying to deceive even those who are following Jesus. How do we get to that point where we don't fall, fall for his schemes and his trickery? Look at what 1 John 5 says. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, if the verse just ended there, we would have a hard time, wouldn't we? Yes, we're children of God, but the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, the whole world that is not following God is under the control of the evil one. But we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Even though this world is under the control of the evil one, we are still children of God. We have put our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus because he is the son of God. We have found eternal life. We have found forgiveness. We have found the, 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 the way to live in this world as aliens and strangers because we are not of this world. Yes, this is a temporary place that we are in, and there is evil all around us under the control of all the evil one, but we are children of God, and because we know Jesus, he is in us, the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that there is nothing I can't handle because I all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be afraid, but I'm begging you, be aware, be aware. You have to be aware of the evil around you because the devil is very patient and all he wants to do is change your thinking. Maybe, maybe I could do a little bad and still be good. Maybe I can listen to this music and it won't affect. Maybe he just wants to change your thinking. He wants you to believe that, that you can have both. And this is what we'll be talking about with the serpent in the garden. But you have to be aware as Christians. I'm not afraid of entertainment. I'm not afraid of those things, but I'm also very cautious in my entertainment. There are things I just don't want to watch. There are things I don't like to listen to with music. There's certain types of music that I don't listen to because it takes me back to my past. And guess what? I don't live there anymore. There's certain things I used to like to watch as a kid. I used to, I used to love watching horror movies as a kid. Those things are disgusting to me now. Why? Because I know where it's taken me and it's not closer to God. So you have to be aware. And so this morning, I'm just begging you, be aware. Now the challenge is this. Bring your Bible, bring your notepad. We're going to get into Genesis 3 and we're going to discuss the depths of what it means of what he's doing in the garden because it affects us today. Just like I showed you earlier, the entertainment world. They are proud to promote what they believe in. It's time for us to stand up for what we believe in and to be aware so that we don't fall to his schemes.